Welcome back, Blue Jays fans, to another episode, episode 11 of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. So excited to be with you guys tonight, you gals tonight, for episode 11. I am Bryant Ott, Creighton Otter on whiteandbluereview.com. Joining me this week, as always, Matt DeMarinis. Matt, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. Why don't you introduce my name on White and Blue Review? Because you need no introduction. You are it Matt DeMarinis. Because it is the same name, right? It is the same name. That is my it's... pen. <laughs> nice. What's your name in real life? Is it like... I know, right? That's what that's suspense. Is it, is it the real name or what am I doing? I can't tell you how many people have met uh, the guy that we work with on the site who goes by the pen name Patrick Marshall oh. and are completely blown away <laughs> when they realize his name is nowhere near close to Patrick Marshall. I, I mean, love everybody that. knows Creighton Otter like... My college friends called me Otter all the time. It was just kind of a natural thing, but in no way, shape, or form would I introduce myself anywhere as, hi, I'm Creighton Otter, because it's like super douchey and doesn't really make a lot of sense. It would be like a terrible superhero title or anything like that. But uh, yeah, Patrick Marshall is not anywhere near close to being Patrick Marshall. I mean, it's not like he's a girl in real life or anything like that, like with a totally different name, but just not the same so but i've seen i've seen credentials with like patrick marshall oh yeah (laughs) which cracks me up because that's not a real name well and if so the first year that we covered the college world series when it was still at rosenblatt they had credential pickup at the embassy suites down on 10th and howard and one of the (laughs) one of the requirements for picking up your credential because it's a big media group that's showing up that first weekend national local regional you know the whole gamut and one of the one of the um requirements is that you have <laughs> proof of identification and patrick was like well i'm out i don't have <laughs> i don't have any way to prove that this is me because if they ask me for my id they're gonna think i'm crazy That's so crazy. i kind of bit the bullet and went down to rosenblatt and i had walked those cramped concourses and clubhouses before so i went and did that for one last uh fail swoop that was a good time but um yeah now it's like everybody on the hilltop knows you everybody knows us we've been doing this for a number of years and uh so i mean if if i need a credential i can get one that way but not a lot of that going on these days it's more the mad d marina show on white and blue review.com and uh it's been a busy couple weeks matt since you and i talked last can't right. believe it's been that long, but we knew that this was going to happen. I think everything starts to pick up with the overlap of the end of the fall sports and the start of the winter sports, and it's been quite an overlapping couple weeks down on the hilltop. Um, I think we should just start right off the bat by kind of giving a big round of applause for the men's basketball team. Last time we talked to our loyal podcast listeners they were number 22 in the country, getting ready to start their season with a regular season opener against um, UMKC, the Kangaroos. And what transpired over the course of the last couple of weeks since has been anything uh, less than remarkable. Mm-hmm. Blue Jays today, we're recording this on Monday, Blue Jays coming in at number 10 in the AP poll. They're 6-0, and winners of the Paradise Jam. They have a big-time... 
uh, win over a Wisconsin team that's going to be in the thick of things in the Big Ten, you would think. Um, their only other loss was in the Maui Invitational Championship to North Carolina. So um, Blue Jays really firing on all cylinders right now, especially shooting the basketball defense. Meh. But um, let's talk a little bit, bit, Matt, about what you've seen watching this team up close for the last couple weeks and uh, just get into kind of where things stand now as we hit the, the second half of the non-conference schedule for Greg McDermott's Blue Jays. Well, I mean, I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit here um, as far as just to, you know, recap where we are. But, I mean, if I told you <clears throat> if I told you six games into the season, if I just laid it out, I said six games into the season, Creighton's closest game will be against UMKC, what would you have guessed their record would be? Oh, boy. That's Because that is their closest result, that seven-point win over UMKC that – you know, that seven-point win, that result that came out of a 30-point blowout. like Right. You know what I mean? Uh, that's their closest result so far this year. They beat Ole Miss by nine, uh, beat NC State by 18. Nine million, it seemed like. Yeah. yeah. Beat NC State by 18, beat Wisconsin by 12, um, beat Loyola Maryland by 30, uh, beat um, Washington State by, what, 29, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we want to like about so UMKC that is, is their closest result. So what, what would I tell? What would you say if I said UMKC is going to be their closest result through six games? What would you say their record is? I'd say it'd probably be five and one. I still didn't think that they'd pull off that Wisconsin win, but uh, <clears throat> yeah. What 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 would you say to the hypothetical question that you're asking? Uh, one and five, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, so that's that's the point. I mean, <clears throat> you know, Creighton pretty much Creighton's worst performance so far, the one that we can critique the most. Um, was just kind of the way they finished that UMKC game, you know. Yeah, and Even I mean that was a that was a blowout, but I mean that's that's kind of what the role they've been on. I mean, the Wisconsin game was kind of their litmus test early on, and you know the way they were able to string together the transition game uh, midway through the second half and build a double digit lead off basically Kyrie Thomas hustle plays is pretty much what yeah. decided that game. Um, you know, and they finished it off at the free throw line. And with a few Omaha dunks from the Omaha boys. And then, you know, they went into the Paradise Jam feeling pretty good about themselves. But, you know, got down to business, rolled Washington State, ran a depleted NC State team out of the gym, and took Ole Miss's best shot. We're <clears throat> doing the same to them, you know? So, yeah, I mean, this team is a handful. I don't know. I'm not sure who on their schedule. Um, who they have left on their schedule that can, you know, that if they show up on game day and said, yeah, we're going to run with the team, we'll be able to keep up, you know, and that's kind of what NC State and Ole Miss thought they could do. And they didn't have enough gas in the end. So, you know, it's going to have to – the way that they're going to get losses in their loss column is, you know, on clashes of style and, you know, just kind of the other team imposing their will. Right now I don't think there's, you know, a team in the country outside of North Carolina who can – you know, match them for 40 minutes at a high pace. And we saw a little bit about that as well. Um, you mentioned the NC State game, just not playing a ton of D, but obviously Mac in the post-game radio show and in some of the other um, coverage around the, around the way 
talked about just their goal was to run those guys ragged and use their lineup, use fresh legs, and get after it. Um, and they did that. You know, they gave up 94 points, I think it was. But, um, I mean, you're almost – like, when was the last time a team – scored 94 points and lost by double digits i mean it was a blowout it was it was it was in it was not in it was not a result that was like in question the last like 10 minutes and the losing team scored 94 points that's unusual but i think to your first point when you talked about umkc you know a, a seven point win coming out of what was a 30 point margin in the second half and yeah. you know you don't ever want to see that happen, but I think right before Wisconsin, that probably gave the coaches um, even more to critique than they would normally, right? I'm not a coach. I've never played one on TV, but I've got to imagine that there were a lot of coachable moments in the second half uh, um, leading up to a Wisconsin game. And I, you know what? I would even like stop a little short on that. I would say you know, the actual the determining factor in UMKC was probably just the fact that Everybody thought the game was over, you know what I mean? So they kind of turned the switch off, really, and figured, yeah, we'll just, you know, ride out these last 10 minutes. We're up by 30. UMKC isn't going to, you know. they didn't. I don't think they were expecting UMKC to punch back as much as they did in the final 10 minutes after what Creighton did to them for the first kind of 25, 26 plus. But then you so by the time the starters go back in the game, you know, and Mac talked about this after the, after the game before Wisconsin, you know, they, they just weren't really – expecting to have to come back in the game and play a significant, you know, a stretch of time. So when they did that, they were kind of already tuned out. So if any lesson they learned, it's kind of just about being locked in for 40 minutes. And, you know, the Wisconsin game, I don't think they've played – I don't think they've had a second half yet that resembles UMKC. I think so far if you look at the five games since, you'd probably say the second half and end of game – in those five cents have been better than any other point in the game. Would you not agree? Oh yeah, no, totally agree. And I, and I think that that's what was really encouraging about the Loyola win was that's a five point game at half. They clearly didn't play the way in the first half as they had in the second halves of all three of the paradise jam games and the Wisconsin game. So in that second half, you know, Justin starts to get stuff happening and, um, and everybody else just starts firing on all cylinders. And, you know, I mean, I was, I was walking James around the concourse, you know, I'm late to get back to my seat at the start of the second half and they're up 12. I mean, Kyrie's yeah. making plays and it's just that switch you talked about already. It got flipped. And when it does, man, the other team, if they're not on board, things are going to get out of control pretty quick it's going to get yeah. to a point where then that game was never in doubt. And then, you know, but they just kept it going, which is, is kudos to them. Like, I, you know, I'm sure that Marcus talked a little bit about it. Marcus Foster talked a little bit about it, you know, where he w those first couple of games, he was just trying to trying to trying to get back into speed and try a couple of different things. And, you know, he the the punch that he had in the lane against Loyola, the one hand jam. I mean, it was ferocious, and that was something he talked about. He hadn't really done a ton of up until this season, right? And he's still trying to figure that out and find where to take that in real game time. Um, but as they start to figure that out, you know that that flip is gonna or that switch is gonna be kept on the flip on position, 
and I don't like you said I don't know I mean I always have ominous feelings about going down to Nebraska I've just been to too many games down there where I mean to the point where I physically can't go anymore um, so I always get worried about that but you know Buffalo's decent Akron came in with kind of that uh, Cinderella-ish type feel to the start of the season from that mid-major level I hate that term but now that we're not there I guess uh, you know depending on who you talk to you can use that a little bit but you know Akron um, kind of a sneaky squad there Longwood probably not going to do much or Robert Arizona State I mean you, you look through that and I don't know Arizona State currently is getting buried by Kentucky obviously yeah, not a team that we can compare to quite a bit but they're getting up and down and running and Arizona State cannot keep up so I don't know who on this schedule, like you said, Matt, is going well, to. Well, I mean, you know, before everybody kind of laughed at it when I said it, but, I mean, in the non-conference, the only loss I had on the schedule was Wisconsin. So, if you're looking for me to say where I think Creighton loses the rest of the way, I didn't have it. So, <laughs> I don't see a matchup where they where they do fall. You know, I guess, you know, the Arizona State and the Nebraska game stands out for two reasons. One, they're true road games, which yeah. uh, Creighton hasn't had yet. So, that's, the you know, a test in itself. Nebraska being a rivalry game, a hated rivalry game. It is what it is. Like you said, <clears throat> you have major anxiety over that matchup to the Always. point where you can't see it live and you just kind of pray for the best. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I watched a lot of Nebraska this weekend because they were in that wooden legacy. Um, where the games start at like 2 in the morning? Yeah. Right. Yeah, where, you know, it's pretty much like Pac-12 after dark. You have to kind of commit yourself to not getting any sleep. Sure. So, I mean, you know, they played Dayton that first game. And Dayton traditionally lately, you know, under Archie Miller, have been really good. But Dayton is banged up to a degree that you would not believe this year. Um, Josh Cunningham, who, you know, Creighton recruiting wonks should know. Um, you know, Creighton was on him coming out of high school. He went to Bradley um, and then uh, transferred to Dayton. So, he's a, you know, he got – he's a stud. Um down low. He got injured in the their game at Alabama on like a late like I late was gonna break. say like last minute of the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like last minute garbage breakaway dunk. He suffered like a horrific looking injury to his leg, so he's done. Um so that takes away their interior presence for Dayton, which let Ed Morrow Jr. pretty much do whatever he wanted as an undersized five man. And you know, Creighton just beat them up. Or Nebraska. Oh, boy. Whoa, bad. whoa. Oh, boy. Easy there, Jasker. Easy there, Jasker. <laughs> so Nebraska pretty much beat them up on the boards and inside. And, but, I mean, and still, and Dayton is missing three really key players because they were missing another um, – one of their other studs was ineligible uh, for some reason. And the other one is out. I can't remember his name. But I'm um, sorry I don't know Dayton to a – to that degree, but you know, Dayton was in that game. And they took the lead with 11 seconds left, even though it looked like they were getting blown up the whole time. So I mean, Nebraska kind of had to hang on to win that one. And uh, they play a UCLA team who can't guard the dribble if you put a gun to their head, right? Um, and they pretty much just you know went score for score with them after kind of getting um, after UCLA built some separation in the first half. So I mean, they couldn't really keep up. And they lose by double digits, and then I didn't see any of the Virginia Tech game, but, I mean, Virginia Tech just kind of ground them into the dirt and beat them by double digits. Uh, so, I mean, Nebraska's got – I mean, they have reason to be optimistic based on the Dayton win. 
But, I mean, the Dayton win isn't what it actually is. They're a banged-up team. They're very depleted. They have. I don't think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team as their roster is currently constructed with the injuries and departures they've dealt with. Right. So, Nebraska still has a lot to prove to me, I think. Now, well, Ty hopefully Webster they looks don't. looks better. Glenn Watson looks better. You don't. Um, but, I mean, are, can they keep up with Mo Watson and Marcus Foster? That's what they're, you know yeah. what I mean? They're doing right. good, but that's a different level of guard right there. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just I'm just not concerned. With you don't further notice. You don't have to tell me that Nebraska's better because I really don't care. <laughs> and uh, I mean, just I'll call a spade a spade. There's no program that I cheer against more than Nebraska basketball. Nebraska baseball is a really close second, but uh, Nebraska basketball always will have that uh, place in my my heart. That kind of like that dark Grinch place. Yeah. Um, but so we've probably talked about them enough. <laughs> More than we thought we'd ever talk about them on this podcast, huh? Well, I know we, it's kind of turned into a Dayton podcast talking about Nebraska basketball. I kind of like where we're going with this. We'll probably be able to. Uh, so Marcus get some Foster, more player of the week. Yeah, let's just <laughs> <laughs> No, I know. I mean, um, so yeah, they they leave the Paradise Jam on. I think. You know, obviously a high note because they won that tournament. You always want to oh, take home a trophy. But the fact that they're down six at the break to Ole Miss, stuff's just not working in the first half. They give up two quick buckets to start the second half. So they're yep. down 10. And everybody at home just has to be kind of chewing at the fingernails. Like, is this what happens when we don't hit all of our threes? Is this what happens when we're not able to get up and down at the pace we want? And then all of a sudden, it just starts to flip again. Yeah, it starts to rain. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Ole Miss game, I don't know. I can't remember if – the thing I think that kept standing out to me was um, the way Ole Miss was not running, was not pushing the pace and not getting up and down. And the way they were stopping Creighton from doing that was just destroying them on the glass. Like Creighton could not, see, I mean, they Creighton could get stopped, but they could not grab a rebound and save their life in the first half. Right. You can't grab a rebound, you can't run. Because you're pulling the basket, you're pulling the ball from the bottom of the net, inbounding it. Ole Miss's defense is set and waiting. You know, you can't run on that. That you know, when that's when the game is playing like that. So I mean, I think it flipped when Creighton started doing better on the glass, and then they get, you know, the they get in the open court and they start spacing the floor again. Ole Miss starts getting tired. And then the threes just start dropping from, you know, the wing, the corner, the left corner, the right corner, the top of the key. I mean, it was just a flood that almost just couldn't keep up with anymore because, you know, if, if Creighton's getting stops and getting rebounds, you better have four guys on the other side of the court by the time Mo Watson turns his head around. Otherwise, you're in trouble. So they leave the Paradise Jam with a title. They come home and – they make quick work, uh, getting right back in the swing of things against Loyola. So where we're at now, um, kind of like you talked about, you know, if I, if you would have told me UMKC would be their closest game, blah, blah, blah. Well, all that aside, in the Associated Press poll, they're at number 10, their highest rating Um since being in the top 10 in 2003 and in 2014 you know those came way late in in those conference seasons those years and were yeah. followed 
2003. I think the same day they were put in the top 10, they beat Illinois State, but then later that week they lost at Evansville. And then uh, in 2014, they lost as well after, I think, at Xavier after being lost right. two games in a row, Xavier and Georgetown after being uh, elevated to the top 10. So that was when Pearson hurt his knee really bad that game. Yeah. I mean, you could say that after every other game, maybe. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was the, that was the, that was the first one. How nice the, is it though to see Zierden in a role where he's coming off the bench, he gets to stay pretty fresh. He's still getting jump shots. He's still getting looks. He's making a lot of shots, and it, he doesn't seem to have to force anything. I mean, and and coming back from an injury like that, I mean, the the parts and pieces here are are really starting to lay out. I mean, obviously. You lose Zach Hansen to a terrible injury at the Paradise Jam, so that'd be the one big asterisk to my big positive rant here. But people know their roles, and it looks like the roles are suiting the roster that Mac has created now. Yep. And I think you see that when you're looking through the statistics, the box score, how even things are when you see guys like Toby Hegner coming off the bench and giving a spark knocking down threes i mean he was just living out on the arc in the paradise jam and knocking down shots he mm -hmm. hit a couple big shots against wisconsin which i'm sure felt really good for that wisconsin native and he doesn't have to try to do too much or play a ton out of position or you know he can kind of naturally rebound at that spot and he and he has he's been hitting the boards pretty well all things considered so you start to see some of those guys fitting into different roles with Mo and, and Foster. Kyrie obviously playing at a whole different level than he played at last year. It just makes everything more naturally break out into um, into roles and positions where this team looks really, really salty right now. I mean, don't you think they look more comfortable out there? Sure. Like you don't like this team when they get up and down and when they start playing free and easy you know, it's usually because you don't have to concentrate on something, right? You're not distracted by, you know, overthinking about your position because you're out of position. You're trying to learn it. And you're behind the curve. and You're focusing so much on this that you forget about that. I mean, everybody, like you said, the, the, the square peg is in the square hole right now. You know, everybody is in their perfect spot where they should be. I think, you know, if I were to say maybe not is due to Zach's injury – which is going to keep him out, you know, until late February is what the prognosis is, or diagnosis, I should say. Uh, you know, maybe Justin playing as prominent a role at center at this stage of the season was maybe something they didn't know what they might get if that were to needed to happen, you know, because obviously he's a freshman and he's never played before. You don't know if you're going to get there. And then Martine um, being his backup. So, I mean, the question marks are at the five position with, only because, not because they've played a position and failed there and you're kind of waiting if they will succeed there. It's because they haven't played there and you don't know what you're going to get. The right you're getting out of Justin is more than you thought you would get at this stage of the season. So um, he looks like he's in a perfect spot. And Martin, you know, in his first game, in their first game without Zach. So, I mean, he looks like he's um, going to adjust fine to it. And then even when they go to the small ball lineups, like you said, Toby Hegner, if he slides over to the five, can just spread the floor. Yeah. Driving lanes for days for Marcus, Kyrie, and Mo. Well, yeah, I mean, 
what, you but, know, but, when, but I mean, hardcore, everybody's in the perfect, perfect spot. Like, where do you feel right now when you look at Creighton on the court and you go, eh, I'm not really sure about how he's going to guard this position or defend that position or, you know, get a shot over that position. What, what do you see? I mean, really the thing that before Zach's injury, the only thing that stuck out to me still was Davion not really being ready to take a bulk of time should Maurice Watson be in foul trouble. Maurice picks up two fouls in one of those games in the Paradise Jam. Tyler Clement comes in off the bench, gets a triple, gets a steal and a hoop, finds a couple open guys, looks extremely confident. And that part of me just kind of the kind of exhales and says, okay, you know, I think he obviously has a trust of the coaching staff and he's confident out there. So if your biggest question mark is what you're going to do when Watson, who, if you asked him, would say he wants to play all 40 minutes of every game, yep. needs a breather or somehow comes into two early fouls in the first half. Um, you know, I think that's a I think that's a great position to be in because Tyler looks steady. Davion is talented yeah. and just needs to get some time. So that's... I mean, someone the other day was funny. I like to I like to tease people when they when the when they're I like I, I can I'm usually pretty good at figuring out what people are digging for when they ask me things. Sure. So uh, I like to tease people with answers, but I mean this one was kind of semi serious. They were like, "So I mean, you know, who do you think is going to be, uh, you know, the heir apparent to Maurice Watson that you're watching right here? Um, you know, Davion or Caleb?" And I was like, uh, "Tyler Clement, because he's you know he'll be back next year." And people are like, what? Oh, my, you know, your natural inclination is to freak out because, you know, Caleb's a top 50 recruit from Syracuse and uh, Davion um, is being groomed to back, uh, you know, to be taken over from Maurice. But who's the one backing him up right now? Tyler, right? So who's who's back next year? Tyler, right? So you naturally would say if he continues to improve and work hard, Who's the guy that knows where everybody needs to be better than anybody on the team, Tyler? Who's the guy who, uh, you know, knows everybody's position in and out along with his, who works hard, who is a vocal leader, who helps young guys develop and figure out what they're doing out there? Tyler, what do you want in a point guard? All those things, right? Yeah, right. So, I mean, don't, 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 like, people will make the mistake. They'll do it all year. They'll think it's Davion or Caleb's job to lose. Don't doubt that kid. Tyler will, you know, is going to work his butt off to be Maurice Watson's heir apparent replacement. And you know what? You know what? Even if he fails, you know what it's going to do. It's only going to make Davion and Caleb better. So, I think Again, it's a three-headed race as far as I'm concerned. A good problem to have, though, right? I mean, having yeah. a guy that's a walk-on originally and works his way in into being an integral part of a team. And again, we're not talking about taking over Mo's job right now because obviously that shit is right. secure. Yeah. Um locked in loaded. Ready to Maurice, go. obviously the statistical beneficiary of a lot of the hot shooting that the Blue Jays have been able to log so far. They're first in the country in three point field goal percentage. And with Justin Patton catching lobs left and right and finishing those flushes uh Maurice upwards of eight assists a game I think second in the country total assists so far behind um one of those dudes uh, for UCLA that can't probably guard 
on defense like you had mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think Maurice obviously putting up stats, but I mean at every turn, whether it's the the radio interviews, the stuff that you're collecting for White and Blue Review, um, World Herald stuff, anything, I mean, Max's first comment almost every single time when asked to uh, evaluate the play of his team in a given half or a given game. He always starts with Maurice Watson first and, you know, through six games, uh, been far more likely to be positive than negative statements coming out. I mean, he continues to say that Maurice is the best basketball player on the floor in every game he's been in so far. And it's hard to argue. I mean, as he goes, we go. And uh, Maurice has done a really good job so far this season of, I think, you know, backing up a lot of the <laughs> platitudes that he had for this team before the season even started, right? He's the yeah. guy going to New York for Big East Media Days, talking about how it's 16 or bust and they can play for Final Four, all of these things that exude confidence. But now you got Jason Williams and Seth Greenberg and all these other guys that are echoing some of these sentiments on yeah. national television saying, oh, yeah, why, why, why wouldn't Creighton look like a potential Sweet 16 or, fi or Final Four team? I mean, they've got X piece, they've got Y piece, they've got Z piece. They beat Wisconsin handily. I mean, I know the game was close, but all that looks like to the selection committee is a double-digit win over a top half of the Big Ten team. Yeah, I mean it's almost like, it's almost like they they can't they can only go down from here is what you're you know you start to get into that territory where you're you know at some point you're hence gonna be my reservations over, about gonna the be, Nebraska game. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean you know am I bummed that Zach hurt and gives us little to no depth at the five? Yeah, but then I think I think about the Big East this season and you don't have a Shefu there, you don't have Jalen Reynolds there. You don't have some of those big, you know, the only Stainbrook that's around is a 6'6 guard and or a 6'6 forward, whatever you want to say. But, you know, Matt Stainbrook's not around. And so if you're going into a season where your depth at the five is going to be depleted from that traditional 6'9 wide body post player and you're and you're working more with guys like Justin and Martine, I think yep. that's okay this season because looking up and down these rosters, I mean, you got Fisher at Marquette, who's beefy. Um, but, you know, a lot of those guys just aren't traditional um, Big East-type centers like you would harken back to even the last couple of years. So, even plus, then. Plus, we've seen Creighton have success spreading those guys out and making them pretty much have to guard perimeter players. And, and Justin Patton, for as tall and lanky as he is, is more of a guard than he is a center right now. For sure. So, I mean, he has a he has the ability to bring a five man out from the post to the three point line, drive right by them like a guard and score at the rim. Well, ask Ethan so, I mean, Happ how that looked on defense on the baseline from Wisconsin. How I mean, Ethan Happ is a really good player. Yeah, a really good. And he he led the Big in. Ten in steals as a freshman yeah. post player last year. Yeah. He was stuck in quicksand trying to guard uh, Patton out on the perimeter. You know what I mean? So, like, just think about that. So all the all the Georgetown's big bodies, all of you know. Those guys look completely disinterested, Matt. I'm not sure oh, that they even brutal. know what's happening at this point. Wow, talk about a letdown for them. I had I had them having a bounce back here and like finishing I know. second. Like what? 
What are you talking about? You obviously don't know what you're doing because that no. team is nowhere near breakout. Ah, but we'll probably still lose to them somewhere. <laughs> we'll we'll cough up a double digit lead with two minutes left out at their place. And, oh, why? Uh, uh, but I mean, they're gonna win a national title, and you're still gonna be bringing that up. Yeah, I know. You talk about um, you know spreading them out, and I think back to obviously the team that did that the best. Right was uh, Doug's senior year. Ethan at the five when they would when they would run that and um and no, you know nothing Jahans was an amazing player for us for four years did a lot of great things mm-hmm. Austin running the point there and Grant doing a lot of great stuff too as a guard but those guys don't have the driving capabilities and the finishing capabilities of the guys on this year's perimeter and so right. You know, Toby out there, you talk about cutting and passing lanes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're just everywhere. And our bigs can handle and pass well. Kyrie being in that spot, I mean, I don't know. I I know I'm getting my hopes up, but I do. I mean, I've, 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 I'm, I went into this hey. season with trying to have realistic expectations, but the fan in me is just now kind of all – I'm bought in. You know, I'm, 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 I'm on the ride. You're preaching to the choir. I said 30 wins in an Elite Eight, so I'm on the record. I'll go with that. I'll go on that ride. Go on that ride. Everybody everybody said I was crazy, and then <laughs> here we are at the top ten, five games in, and I'm just sitting here like Jordan, so. Jordan Shoulder Shrug over here. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, should we talk about some other sports, or do you want to just keep talking about men's basketball? Let's. Okay. So yes. men's basketball, just one last little plug here. They are in action. Well, I'll post this. Most people listen to it Tuesday, November 29th, which works out well because the Buffalo Bulls come to town. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7 30, 7.30 Central tip on Fox Sports 1 Tuesday night. Then Akron comes to town this weekend for a Saturday night home game. The Zips will come in. And then, yeah, the game down in Lincoln uh, a week from now. But Blue Jays uh, with two very winnable home games here likely go into that game against Nebraska at 8 and 0 and can't imagine them getting jumped in the AP poll if that happens so they'll be a top 10 team heading to Lincoln yep. trying to leave the vault or whatever they call that building down there with uh, another victory against Tim Miles but let's segue into um, the you know men's basketball is great but they haven't won like 30 some games in a row. Like uh, coach Booth's women's volleyball program has, they don't have uh, they're not the three time defending big East tournament champions. Like coach Booth's team is they're not. Oh, here's, here's, here's your segue. I have one for you. Do it. I tried, I tried this out on Twitter the other night and Do it. because when I said it, I set it up with one tweet and then quote tweeted it with another and everybody kept, reacting and liking and retweeting the first one, which was not the intention at all. <laughs> so that totally backfired, but here's the segue. So Maurice Watson Jr., top five leading scorers for men's basketball are, starting from top to one to five, Marcus Foster, Kyrie Thomas, Justin Patton, Maurice Watson Jr., Cole Huff. All names everybody knows by heart by now. They've seen them play. They can detect their games. They've seen a whole, you know, all the highlight packages, everything. You guys know those players, right? Right. They had not played a single game at Creighton University the last time Kirsten Bernthal Booth's volleyball team lost to a Big East opponent. Damn. 
Boom, right? There's your segue. I would have I would have retweeted the second tweet. I just want to let you know have? that. Sure. Everybody, even Maurice Watson Jr. reacted to the first tweet. <laughs> like, guys. Mo just retweets everything that there was has his clearly, name in it. There was clearly an ellipsis there. Like, there was something. There's a punchline coming. That's like laughing at the setup and, like, and just staring at the comedian when he throws out his punchline. I think Mo has the auto retweet set for his name. He does. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So regale us about Coach Boo's football program because they are amazing. They are headed to the NCAA tournament. They're headed to Lawrence, Kansas. You were at the selection show get together last night, and mm-hmm. um, just tell Jays fans everything they need to know about the last couple weeks of volleyball and how things shape up for a trip to KU this weekend. <sighs> Well, I mean, the last couple of weeks, you know, the Creighton was really, really – I mean, obviously they were undefeated. They were rolling. Um, I don't want to say they slipped a little bit and didn't perform as well as they were capable of, but they definitely got tested. Um, Xavier came into Omaha uh, and played them really well, even though Creighton still swept them. And, uh, and Seton Hall played them tough out at Hinkle in the semifinal game, semifinal match, even though Creighton still swept them. And Xavier did the same thing in the um, – you know, in the Big East title match, even though Creighton still swept them. So, you know, Creighton's getting tested, but they're still, you know, showing their medal and showing that they're still the best team. They're clearly the class of the Big East. I mean, Marquette faded on the stretch. I didn't even think they were going to get into the tournament based on how they ended the season, but they got in off of their really strong non-conference, which I think actually, you know, when I kind of break them down and compare, I think they had a more impressive non-conference than Creighton did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Creighton obviously finished 18-0 and in the regular season. First Big East team to ever do that. Um, went two for two in the big tournament out in Indianapolis at Ankle Fieldhouse to, um, you know, they to win their third straight East tournament title along with their third straight regular season title. So they pretty much own that conference right now. And I think the thing last night with the selection show was they were kind of really – they were really on that line about if they're going to host or not. And, you know, you try to remember last year when they had their name popped up in that top 16, and you're like, oh, wow, that was unexpected. And then the, pun- then, then the punch in the gut came, and it was like, yeah, but we're still going on the road. And it was like, oh. So you figured, you know, there was a lot of anxiety last night. And when they, the selection show, they announced the first four seeds a half an hour before the show started. And then they started going through. I think they announced the next four individually. And then it just popped up the last eight on the screen. So Creighton didn't see their name up there. And you could, I mean, I don't want to say deflated is the word I would use, but I mean, you could tell there was tension in that moment. And then when they saw that their name wasn't on the board to host, that it was kind of, you know, a little somber. I mean, I think they were disappointed for sure. Um, That was one of their goals as they kept trucking along. It was one of the reasons they thought going undefeated in the Big East was so important mm-hmm. uh, was basically because they said, we don't – it's not like that we don't think we have a margin for error, but we don't want to play with it. We want to just take care of business and leave the leave, and just pretty much show the committee a resume that says, we have not lost since middle of September. Our RPI is here. Our strength of schedule is here. Here are our metrics, and here's our bid, um, you know. Up Eat it. Up to you. Can we host or not? So they didn't. They got sent to Lawrence, which is not a terrible thing. 
I know everybody thinks, you know, they see that five seed next to Kansas and they go, well, why if Creighton was so close to hosting, do they have to deal with a five seed in the first weekend? Um, you know, the fact is Lawrence is, you know, a trip that Creighton fans can make. Uh, it's not very far from home. It's like a three and a half hour drive, I think. Um, it's something they're familiar with. They're familiar with playing in Lawrence. They're familiar with playing in the arena they're going to play in. They were down at a tournament there two years ago. Um, actually, I think they started a three, yeah, two years ago, or last year, I think they started. Yeah, last year. Um, so they'll be playing in the same arena. It's a Kansas team. They took to five sets if they make it through to the second round and have to play them. They took them to five sets in Omaha and, you know, kind of had them beat before, um, you know, just a couple points here or there made the difference. And in the first round, they get a Northern Iowa team. They're very um, – They're pretty familiar with Northern Iowa, well, right, yeah, Matt? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you look back at, you know, the old NBC days, Northern Iowa and Creighton, or Creighton has played Northern Iowa more than any team they've played in their history. So, I mean, it's someone they're very familiar with. Uh, Kirsten Bernthal Booth and Northern Iowa's head coach, Bobby Peterson, are very close personally. Um, and Creighton already swept them this year. So, I mean, there's, there's, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Creighton didn't get jobbed as far as who they'll have to draw. I mean, they're going to have to play tough teams regardless. You're in this with tournament now. Right. You're going to face tough teams. But, I mean, it's – getting back to the Sweet 16 isn't going to be – I mean, it'll be tough. Kansas, I think, is a better team than North Carolina was last year. But I don't think this team is – But there might actually be people in the gym when Kansas and Creighton play if they do play. Exactly. Okay. And I don't think this team is worried about playing on the road either. I mean, the way the Big East schedule lined up for them, they pretty much had to play on the road for an entire month. Sure. You know, in October. So, and they came through that unblemished. So I think that kind of, you know, instilled a lot of confidence in them. That doesn't really matter where they're at. They can play high-level volleyball. They haven't lost since they lost to Nebraska right. at the Emeritus Players Challenge. And the Huskers – Number one overall seed in this tournament, but should Nebraska and Creighton play, it wouldn't be in the first round in Lincoln. Like, could have happened so many years in the past had the Blue Jays, you know, found their way into the tournament. Um, instead, I think you broke it down. Soonest they would be able to play would be the Final Four, right? Yeah, yeah. The first time they would meet would be in that first semifinal match in Columbus. Um. A boy can dream, right? Yeah, yeah. So Creighton will be in Lawrence their first weekend, and if they make it to the Sweet 16 again, most likely will be in Austin, Texas for the second weekend because the Longhorns are um, one of those top four seeds that has kind of dibs on hosting the second weekend of the tournament. And uh, that's who's on Creighton's side of the bracket. So volleyball getting ready to start their NCAA tournament this weekend. They'll be in Lawrence for a match Thursday afternoon. Matt, you're headed down there. Um, you just watched another Creighton Fall sport end its NCAA tournament run. You were in the building at Morrison Stadium Saturday night for Elmar Bolovich's Blue Jays Sweet 16 match against uh, fellow Big East school Providence. Blue Jays get on the board first in that one, but ultimately give up two goals to the Friars, lose that match two to one. Their season comes to an end. Kind of recap what the last couple weeks have been like for the Blue Jays 
as they work their way into the NCAA tournament? Well, probably a lot different conversation than we had the last time we were talking about them, right? A little bit. A little bit. You know? So, I mean, I guess, you know, they, they kind of sputtered to the end there and ended up having to pretty much beat Georgetown to even make the Big East tournament and even make the NCAA tournament. So, um, I guess when you consider what they've done since, they beat Georgetown 3 nothing. Um Continued their revenge tour by beating uh, Xavier in the first round of the or in the quarterfinals of the Big East tournament at Morrison Stadium. Then went out to Rhode Island, beat Providence, got them, paid them back in the Big East semifinals. Uh, lost to Butler in the Big East championship match, and then the revenge tour continued in the NCAA tournament. They got to host Tulsa, and they beat them. I think three to nothing was the score. Yep, not they lost to them two to one in the regular season in a match that they should not have lost at all. So, I mean, that was kind of part of their, you know, really, uh, stretch where yeah. it didn't make sense for them to be losing that match. But, yeah, so they got Tulsa back, and they went down to Lexington and beat Kentucky, who I don't think had lost all season at home um, before Creighton went in there and did it. And they were kind of blessed with another home match. Um, you know, kind of – and it's kind of crazy because you think, you know – this team that lost so much to the, you know, to the draft with Fabian Herbers, Timo Pitta, um, Vincent Keller, you know, Connor Sparrow, uh, that they pretty much were one step away. If they beat Providence, they would have matched last year's NCAA tournament run. Isn't that crazy to think about? I know. It's would you, if I told you that at the beginning of the year that, you know, forget a record. I won't say what their win-loss total will be, but I'll say Creighton is going to make it to the Sweet 16 this year. After all they lost, what would you have, what would be your level of, you know, acceptance for that? I mean, I would have taken it. You know, I think last year ended just with such a bad taste in your mouth because you knew it was unlikely that Fabian was going to come back and to be at, Akron and have that chance and to have him just oh, so close on a couple shots to send them to the college cup, which in Kansas city, I mean, the number of Jays fans that would have been down there oh. would have been insane. Would have been and um, I don't know. It just, it was so frustrating that, yeah, you come right back around, you say they're going to sweep 16 and they score first in a match at home mm-hmm. to get them to the elite eight against the team that they already had a win over. In the regular season, or not in the regular season, but in the season, uh, to that point, you know, they get on the board within the first 10 minutes of the match Saturday night, and you just, you, you have a good feeling, but then just. And, just, and it wasn't, not only, not only did they not did it score first, they were, they were like locking Providence up. Um, I mean, you know, they scored the first goal, and they were up 7 nothing in shots, you know, kind of 15 minutes through. And it was looking like they were on their way to kind of – they were dominating possession, you know, really keeping control of the ball, keeping it on the ground, connecting passes. They weren't really connecting much in the attacking third, which is like – which ended up coming back to bite them. But, I mean, they were still keeping Providence out of the attacking third. But, you know, Providence <laughs> seems to be that team that, you know, even with the start of the year with all the in major injuries they had to, you know, some of their studs, you know, in a, in a season where they still ended up winning the Big East tournament out or Big East regular season outright – Making it as far as it did, they kind of are a team that needs to get punched a little bit for some reason before they'll, you know, kind of kick it into gear. You know, when you saw, I guess. The most epic soccer comeback that oh. I've read about in years. 
Can you believe that? No. I mean, so for the listeners, the yeah, game. they were down four to one to the previously unbeaten and number one team, Maryland. And they score four goals in the last, what, like 12, 15 minutes, something like that. Yeah, it was the last, what, 2019 something and change? To win five to four and set up with then Creighton would be blessed with that, that home match in the Sweet 16. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's unheard of. And you got to figure, like, if you're a Jays fan, you're sitting there running the odds. You're like, okay, this team just put up arguably one of the greatest comebacks in college soccer history. Um, says a guy that doesn't really know that much about college soccer, but I mean, how could it not be? Hey, I, um, so statistically I, 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 speaking, like probability wise, like what are they good for here in this next game? Like they effectively just like played all their good <laughs> goodwill and what that comeback was, right? So you're feeling good. You get the first goal too. You're out shooting them. You're controlling things, and then it just doesn't happen. And that's I think where. Yeah, if you would have told me at the start of the year they would have been the Sweet 16, I would have been super pumped. But when they're in the Sweet 16, they have that one nothing lead, they're yep. controlling, and then they don't win at home. I've been at too many – I wasn't there Saturday night, unfortunately, but I've been at too many home matches in the playoffs, NCAA tournament, when their season ended. And you just feel like Creighton's soccer team is their best chance for a national championship. It's been close a couple times. But these home losses in the NCAA tournament, they just sting, no matter what the expectations coming into the season were for players, coaches, fans alike. They still just sting, and I think that's what gets to me. But And, and Elmar said it too. I mean, he's not he didn't pull any punches in the postmatch, even you know, with his season just freshly ended. He said, you know, we have high expectations here, so it doesn't really – doesn't really matter who we lose from the previous year. We always have high expectations you know, to win national titles here. And, uh, you know, he was like, he pretty much said, you know, we had a good season. We didn't have a great season because when you think about some of the opportunities they let slip by in the regular season, which, you know, losing the late lead to Tulsa and ended up losing that match in regulation, um, losing to Villanova the way they did, even though they dominated the game, uh, losing to Xavier when they dominated the match. Um, you know, those are three game, three matches they kind of let slip away. Um, and didn't get any points out of, and you know that comes back to bite you because your road to the your road to the College Cup becomes more difficult. You know you have to go on the road, you have to play at certain places, and you know while they did have a home match in the Sweet Sixteen and an opportunity in front of them, they still would have had to either go to what North Carolina or Syracuse. What Syracuse ended up winning that match, yeah. so they would, they would have had to go to Syracuse. After. Nobody wants to go to Syracuse, man. Like Caleb <laughs> Joseph just left. He, nobody exactly. wants to go Came up there. to Omaha from Syracuse. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. We don't uh, need that. So, yeah, the, you know, it just made their road more difficult because of some of the things that they didn't do in the regular season. So I think, um, you know, what Elmar's final thoughts were, yeah, we had a good season. We, you know, we made it to the Sweet 16 or whatever, but, you know, we have higher goals, and you kind of hope some of those returning players um, – you know, the Ricky Lopez Espins, the Lucas Stauffers, those kind of guys will, you know, won't 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 forget, you know, the matches they let slip away and the things that kind of hinder them from having maybe a more comfortable road or maybe, you know, home field advantage for, you know, a certain amount of time in the NCAA tournament or a first round bye even, you know, things like that. So, you know, they like I mean, playing at Butler in the Big East final is another one, you know, if Creighton 
doesn't you know doesn't drop games to Villanova and Xavier in, in conference games they dominated. Maybe they're hosting the Big East title match instead of going on the road um, for the final two matches. You know, so it's all those kind of things that he was kind of talking about as far as hoping the players will mature from those moments and um, you know see how valuable some of those matches they dropped that they shouldn't have actually ended up being in the end. Yep. And meanwhile, now the lead eight set for the men's soccer tournament and some familiar foes for the Blue Jays still alive. So Providence, um, mm-hmm. actually North, North Carolina did beat Syracuse one nothing. So it's Providence, North Carolina. Uh, obviously the Jays familiar with the Friars. Um, and I mean, and Clint- they're familiar with North Carolina season every year. So, I mean, that seems to be the thing. So. Exactly. Volleyball um, Clemson, who the Jays lost to in South Carolina and Denver, who uh, the Jays are familiar with. Yep. Uh, they play each other uh, in the Elite Eight. Stanford and Louisville also remain, as do Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. So, again, the Blue Jays competitive and with wins and a close loss against uh, or close losses against three of the final eight teams. I mean, you always you always assume, I guess, the Blue Jays are going to be there, and uh, you just hope that one of these years. They're going to break through and, and add another big-time trophy to the trophy room at Morrison Stadium. wasn't meant to be this season, but hopefully uh, you know Bolowicz will be back with another salty crew next year. Sure. And just hope that that's the one that gets through. But Not to be this time. That's right. Men's basketball I mean, is going to make yeah, the Final yeah, Four. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. Exactly. Like, it's, up to, it's up to volleyball now. Next, next up. I mean, how quickly are there? St- I mean, you know, Coach Booth's building a monster there, and, and it's, it's, not, really- it's not out of the realm of um, argument that they they get they get that much closer to being another team to seriously uh, consider for a deep, deep run into the NCAA tournament. And once that happens in any sport, right, anything can happen. So. I mean, I certainly don't think they have a favorable, you know, road because they are going to be away from home and it's not like they're playing neutral site games. They're playing, you know, they'll play at Kansas in front of a hostile crowd. They'll play, you know, play at Texas in front of a hostile crowd. So it won't be easy. But, I mean, their draw isn't they, – they can beat those teams. You know what I mean? So a Final Four run isn't out of the realm of possibility even this year. So, you know. And they all, they all, it starts Thursday. So maybe the next time we have a podcast, who knows what we'll be talking about. Well, we're going to have podcasts a lot more frequently because, uh, ta-da, we have a title sponsor, Lawler's Custom Sportswear now, um, right behind the Blue Jays Bites podcast crew. And um, really excited to have Pat Lawler and everybody at Lawler's Custom Sportswear on board. Um, you'll be seeing quite a bit more of Lawler's in a lot of the pieces that we publish at White and Blue Review and on our social media accounts. But um, that was just a, a perfect segue, Matt, into talking about that new relationship for the podcast and for WBR. Um, for anybody listening that doesn't know, Lawler'sCustom.com. They sell uh, great Creighton gear on that site. Um, they've been in business since 1896. So, uh, <laughs> while, while they, uh, while they sell goods on the internet, they, 
Um, they predate Al Gore's invention quite a bit, so they are not a fly-by-night organization, to say the least. Anybody that's lived in and around the Omaha and Lincoln area uh, for any amount of time and has bought any sort of gear, whether it be Creighton um, or other local uh, sports teams, <laughs> universities, anything right. like that, right? You like that? Right. Nicely uh, done. Thanks. They've been around, and uh, you more than likely have had a Lawler's tag on some of your gear. So it's exciting. Uh, they uh, – for I mean, I've been going to Creighton – basketball games since I was five, six years old, and I can never remember another organization other than the Creighton Bookstore selling officially licensed Creighton gear inside of either the Civic or the Quest or the CenturyLink or whatever it's called these days. But um, Lawler's just opened up a new gear stand in the East Concourse at CenturyLink Center for all the men's basketball games. So if you're find yourself walking around with your five-year-old trying to jog off all the sugar that you plied them with in the first half of the men's basketball games stop by the lawlers uh, experience there a little bit i, I know a guy uh pat patrick marshall no <laughs> um no i mean they sell great gear they're in the building and they've got locations uh throughout the city too so and online lawlerscustom.com you can order gear. It'll be sent straight to your place. And always important during holiday shopping season. So, yeah, that's a big that's a big gift I mean, for us. I mean, my the location I always go to is 84th Street. Um, I think oh. it's right. Yeah, so 84th and I think it's right off Harrison. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how your store sets up or, you know, which ones you've been into. But, I mean, have you ever been – actually been – for me, it's the left side of the store. Yeah. Have you ever been to the left side of the store, actually? Sure. Oh, really? Because mine, for the Creighton gear, it's like a straight shot through the doorway. So I haven't even actually been to the left side of the store where all the other university gear is. But it's funny that the West Roads location, when you walk in, it's the opposite. The Creighton it's stuff not. is in the left side all the way toward, and you have to walk through the, how do I put this, the sea of red to get <laughs> to the Creighton stuff. But, I, I mean, come on. Pat Lawler's not a not a dumb guy. He knows w- oh, where sure. the bread is buttered in in this area. So, um, quality. I'll just say this: quality gear for any local team that you cheer for. We yes. just know that you cheer for the Blue Jays more than the others, because why else would you listen to two idiots talk about Creighton sports for an hour on the internet if you exactly. weren't a huge Jays fan? So no, but this is a true story. I don't actually own a piece of Creighton gear. Um, throughout childhood up to a certain point that wasn't from Lawler's true story. For real. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the, I don't go-to. even know how you buy Creighton gear any other way. I don't know. If you were to be like, go get a Creighton hat for me, if my dad asked me, you know, what do you want for Christmas, dad? I want another Creighton hoodie. I would go, the only place I would even think to go is Lawler's. Where else can you know for sure that you're going to get a Creighton hoodie? I think uh, sometimes I see them in the random uh, T-shirt rack at my local High V, but yeah. half the time the name is spelled Blue Jays two words. That's for Rob Anderson. <laughs> That's I clearly know that Rob Anderson did not check so out that sweatshirt. So it's, a, so it's a Toronto shirt, then, is what you're saying? Totally. It's for okay. all the. It was left over when before Pat got DFA'd. Yeah. For uh, for the Blue Jays, but no, Lawler is your go-to. No there question. we go. So that's. Uh, so that's exciting for us. So, again, I know it's holiday shopping season, and we'll have another podcast before Christmas rolls around. I promise. 
But yes. while you're out there making your lists, checking it twice, make sure you get to Lawler's for all your crate and gear, whether it's 84th Street store, West Road, someplace else in one of the local malls, or at a Jays game very conveniently in the East Concourse at CenturyLink Center Omaha. Um, Matt, I know we still need to talk about women's basketball. I think, uh, you know, unfortunately we haven't really been not able to, to see them be, a lot. Yeah, not to be rude about it, but, I mean, the Bahamas trip, they went one and one. Um, they beat, they lost to Missouri, beat Dayton. Um, the Missouri match, the Missouri game, I keep saying match and game, I get those confused. Uh, so the Missouri game, I mean, it was really close throughout the whole thing. It was one run to start the second half um, that allowed Missouri to get some separation, and they pretty much played even the rest of the way. But it was Missouri's hot shooting that allowed them to create that separation. But, I mean, as far as the stream goes to watch that, I mean, it was it was buffering constantly. It was really choppy. Live stats were down the entire thing. Um, and the Dayton game, there weren't any live stats that we could follow. And um, so it was pretty much just uh, – relying on um, the PA at CenturyLink to announce what was going on. But, uh, you know, I think Audrey Favor made the all-tournament team, and they ended up going one-and-one and and getting out of there with a win, which is, I guess, good to build off of. Uh, But we'll know a little bit more about this group here coming up soon because uh, they have a home game um, against Kansas on Wednesday. And then I think they're at Northern Iowa. Or, no, they have a home game against Kansas on Wednesday, and then they'll play – UNL a week after that. Yep. And they'll go to Northern Iowa and they'll host Nebraska before kind of getting into Big East play. So, I mean, we'll know a little bit more about them and be able to break them down more in depth on, on this podcast, I guess, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Um, right now they're still, you know, kind of trying to find um, their legs. And if you know Flan's team, Flan's team is always getting better as the season goes along and not really um, as it starts out because he likes to – put them through a gauntlet of a non-conference so i mean that's exactly the word that was coming to mind right before you said it was there's always a gauntlet for flant there at the start of the season so i feel confident that when we check in with them in our next podcast we'll know a little bit more about this team we'll have been able to watch some of the live streams and check out live stats during some of their games yeah um based on the pictures that i did see on social media looked like they had a heck of a fun time I don't know how you wouldn't have a fun time down there, but um, not even sure if they're back yet. Which is, I was joking with them on Twitter. I, I asked them if they're even going to get back for the Kansas game on time for tip off because they had to be delayed in the Bahamas an extra day. I know, poor. Oh guy. darn! Yeah, what an unlucky break. So I think it ended up being a thirty-six hour delay where they ended up having to stay there because they're. I think their plane in Miami had some mechanical malfunctions and couldn't take off to go pick them up. So. Okay. But I think they're on their way back now. So win lose against Kansas at DJ Soak Arena doesn't really matter. They'll be rested and have had a good vacation, and they'll be tan and all these fun, the great bonding experience for the team. But but uh, jokes aside, they will have quite uh, a non conference slate still remaining as they yeah. look toward um, a Big East schedule that they are picked. Uh, they're picked to do extremely well in. So um, that's all I got, Matt. I know we, yeah. we, we went pretty, pretty deep into each of these this week. And so everybody really appreciate you listening and, nope. uh, and, and keeping with us. Any, anything else you want? Oh, I got one more thing. I'd oh. be remiss if we didn't do this, but 
uh, earlier on Twitter today, the White and Blue Review account uh, asked people if they had any questions or issues that we yeah, wanted to tackle. John had one question, right? John did have one question. But and I'm, he continues to ask. So <laughs> <laughs> should there be more courtside seating at CenturyLink Center Omaha by removing the tables and video boards and putting in big chairs? <laughs> I don't really know what that means. I'm going to say no, but I will help him out a little bit here with they actually have added four extra seats to where they used to stick like um, a media overflow, if you will, next to the band. Mm-hmm. But now they actually sell those seats to boosters and whatnot. So they have added four seats. But like what to... kind of big seats is he talking about? Like the yeah, Dodgers not... games? You know, we could, maybe we should have him on the podcast to explain that because he's asked that a couple times now, and I'm not really sure yeah. what he's talking about schematically. Um, so I he's a pretty uh, small guy. He can't be wanting a bigger seat for himself at these games. Hey. I sit next to him. I don't really. He's not <laughs> filling out these seats like. Does you know, he talk about those... it all the time during games? Does he constantly say? <laughs> no. Point out sections of the arena like... that you know where you can put more. In like there. super jealous of that guy's huge seat over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. That's why I'm thinking this is it's got to be something deeper. We got to get to it with him. But I mean, with that, with nationally televised broadcast, pretty much every night, you need, you know, you need room for the stats guys, you know. And if Gus Johnson he brings his own stat guy, same with Tim Brando. So some of those guys are you know big deals where they have their own stats guys. Like, are you serious? Hidden away. In, oh yeah, did you know that? No. Oh yeah, like Tim Brando and Gus Johnson, I think have their own stats guys. God, like their awesome. own personal people they trust to give them certain things throughout the game. Yes. So, I mean, they have them, like, stowed away in suitcases and whatnot. <laughs> so, sure. So, yeah. But, I mean, normally, other, other than that, like, you know, Fox or whoever's televising the game, we know it isn't ESPN, but, I mean, Fox, some Fox affiliate will, you know. What is this ESPN and... that you speak of? I'm not what is, familiar yeah, what with is... them. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they'll usually like employ someone who isn't doing anything that night from the university to you know run stats. That's <laughs> um, but yeah, you need room for all those people and you know visiting media, visiting radio, Creighton radio, all that sort of thing. So I mean, it's a machine. I'm, I'm not really, yeah, I'm not really sure where you would plug other people in. I don't know. Nah, so. we don't need them. That's fine. We'll let John sit in his normal size seat and we'll <laughs> keep the fun video boards and. Maybe he's just tired of sitting next to you. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the real question. If you've ever maybe seen a game in our section, you don't realize just how close to the truth you are. <laughs> um, enough stories to know what you're talking yeah, about. A little bit. We'll just, keep this PG. We'll keep this podcast. Just PG. be just be glad that the game against Nebraska is in Lincoln, and I am not going. Uh, but I will be so, there. So every time, so every time, like I'm, I'm watching on TV, I think. What was it? When Showalter fouled out against Wisconsin, I've watched that game back. He turns around oh, yeah. after he fouls out. I'm pretty sure he's looking at you because you're probably saying something to him. No, oh, 100%. Yeah. Between <laughs> between our section and Marcus Foster, enough people were talking shit to Wisconsin to <laughs> make it worth our while. <laughs> but that's just, you know, that's what we do. That's, that's sports, right? We wouldn't start a podcast and be 11 episodes in and doing nothing but talking about Creighton sports if we didn't love it and if we didn't have some sort of fanatical uh, relationship with it. So that's our gift to the greater commu- Creighton sports community. Is Wrapped our... up nice and shiny. Yeah, wrapped up nice and shiny with a big bow. 
Uh, what do you want for Christmas? What last parting shot here? What's on your list? Oh, you know what? I think I would take a since it will happen before Christmas, and I can make this request. Yeah, because it has to be delivered on time, obviously. So I can't say like men's basketball final four or whatever, you okay. know, because that's not that's a that's a like, St. Patrick's Day present, right? Sure. Um, or you'd Easter. have to be drunk to have it happen. So <laughs> sure. Right. So my Christmas present would be to cover a Creighton Nebraska final four match in Columbus for the final four. That would be what I want for Christmas. I think so. that has a nice ring to it. I think doesn't uh, it sound good? Who would yeah. argue with that out there from our listeners right now? Who would be like, nah? I, you know, that's symmetry to me. And I think that, um, it'd be very apropos because there's a, there's a lot that coach Booth's program has done over the, over the course of the past couple of years. And I know they won the, um, no, this is spring match against Nebraska, um, exhibition or whatever that was, but you know, to, to be the best, you got to beat the best and Nebraska volleyball is the best locally. Nebraska volleyball is the best nationally. And if for some magical Christmas wish uh, being granted, we have those two teams square off in a national semifinal in a neutral site, that yeah. would be an amazing uh, development for volleyball locally here and certainly for a Creighton program that we cannot stress enough has been risen like a phoenix from the ashes nice. of the program that it once was when I was in school and uh, coach Booth forever. will just have uh, a lot of undying respect and, uh, and well-earned for what she's done with this program and her entire coaching staff. I mean, mm-hmm. let, let's, let's not, uh, let's yeah, not and the, and has been with her the whole time. Yep. And it's just, you know, it's a testament to everything that they've built that we're talking about. Uh, where I'm laughing that a Creighton Final Four in basketball would be more um, out of place than a women's volleyball Final Four trip, but that's just where it is right now, and that's amazing testament to the program. So I'll second that. That sounds like a great Christmas wish, and yeah. hopefully if enough people throw that on the list, it can happen. Right. Sounds good. So, Matt, we'll check in with you next week. Um, I know you'll be down in Lawrence for what hopefully is a great weekend for Creighton Volleyball. And actually, we'll we'll know whether or not it is before the the full weekend starts because they play Thursday and they would come back and play Friday, right? Yep, Friday night at six thirty, I believe. Okay, so hopefully, we're tuning in with you guys next time talking about a Creighton volleyball Sweet Sixteen appearance, uh, continued success for men's hoops, uh, a riding of the ship in a really uh, difficult sea for women's basketball, and um, everything being. Uh, everything being good on the on the health front for all teams considered. So for Matt DeMarandis, I'm Brian Tott. I'm going to sign off on episode 11 of the Blue Jays Bites podcast brought to you by Lawler's Custom Sportswear. Have a great week, everybody. Go Jays.